0: Hello and welcome to the Moment of Magic podcast, the podcast where I don't talk about fantasy soccer or about manager transfer news, but I bring in sometimes people who do do that. So today we have a guest with us, Brandon Kelly of the Always Cheating Podcast. Hello, Brandon. Hello.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Guy. Happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you as well. Um, so, you know, on the Moment of Magic podcast, we like to uh, to kind of go back to the beginning when I, I have an opportunity to chat with a a soccer passionate such as yourself. Um, so I want to, to ask you, when was the first moment that you really had a you know fire in your belly watching a game of soccer that really <laughs> stuck out to you? Well, when
1: you contacted me, Guy, to be on Moment of Magic, you gave me some examples of, of previous guests or your own um, Moment of Magic. And a lot of them had to do with goals being scored. Um but my my moment of magic, the first one I can remember where I truly broke through into this um, this truly passionate phase of my uh, fandom, it was on a goal not on a goal being missed. So uh, I'll take you all the way back to World Cup '94, hosted in the states, and it's the U.S.'s most famous victory over Colombia. Um. Do you remember this team at all filled with the likes of uh, weirdos like Tom Dooley and uh, Alexa Lawless and um, Tab Ramos all wearing their denim Stars and Stripes jerseys?
0: I didn't remember it at the time because it was earlier than I had gotten hooked in. My, my World Cup, which uh, is a pretty common theme among people that World Cups are a great entry point. My, my World Cup that hooked me in was 06, but I feel like since then people have said, hey, look at this denim jersey on crazy long-haired Alexi Lalas. Uh, and yeah. I, I can only I, I wonder have how a, the... I have a, a
1: secondary 06 moment of magic that I can quickly touch upon after this one. But, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, 15 years old at the time of 94, and I'd played soccer all through my childhood as a little kid, and it was it was the sport I played. Though, being in mid-Michigan, it wasn't like you were constantly exposed to it going to matches or you know, occasionally you could find a, a match on Sunday morning on Univision, but that that's pretty much it. So, 94, you had live, tele telecasted, um, high-level soccer for, for the very first time for the likes of myself. So, uh, you're watching these teams score, and you're like, oh, goals are cool, that's how you play the game, that's how you win. And then you get to this Columbia match where, against all odds, the U.S., is up two goals to none uh, around the 80th minute. And the atmosphere you can see on TV is electric. And the U.S. is basically bossing it. And I, I remember just kind of being swept up in the moment. And then U.S. the U.S. wins a corner kick and Ted Ramos takes it, sort of uh, lofts a ball up toward the uh, edge of the 18. And Marcelo Balboa, uh, central defender for the uh, U.S. team, launches the most like picture-perfect bicycle kick attempt you can imagine. It, it wasn't like a like a flash Kevin Prince Boateng bicycle kick, but if you were going to teach a kid how to do it, this is exactly how it looked. <laughs> and uh, the the ball ends up going about six inches wide of the post. It's like perfect height, but it's just wide of the post. And I, I, I remember just not knowing how to react. I thought, well, maybe it went in, uh, but it didn't. Had it gone in, I remember thinking, well, marcelo Balboa's life would have been absolutely changed forever had that gone in, because that would have been peak U.S. Um, so I just remember that being the point at which I sort of realized what could happen. In a game, whether it happened or not was was sort of uh, moot. But the fact that it took me to that level emotionally, I remember. I just I just remember that being a, a bit of a breakthrough for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I I can kind of recognize that feeling of when something happens and you both see the successful version of it and the unsuccessful version of it in a moment. And and especially, you know, in, in the old days of television where, you know, we, we didn't get 30 different angles of replays instantly. I feel, you know, there was more space to say, wait, what? What did happen <laughs> um, when when I mentioned my moment of magic, which was the uh, the 2006 Zinedine Zidane headbutt that's on a previous episode? One of the things I remember is it took so long for them to even find a camera angle, <laughs> and yeah, right. and so it was just commentators saying, "We don't know what happened. Everyone seems upset. What's going on?" Until they could get that angle, so uh, I definitely and there was
1: there was so much mystery around that play too, because I mean on on a goal attempt. He there's not a lot of mystery there like the the whole the whole aim of playing the game is to score a goal but with Zidane's headbutt there was there was no logic to it or there was no uh, immediately apparent motive
0: yeah I feel like that's something that uh that I connect to in in your excellent podcast of always cheating which takes a a so sometimes a more humorous approach to fantasy football than as fantasy soccer. Fantasy we, we try league.
1: to keep it light.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like there's an appreciation for you know there there's one level of appreciation which is when you know uh, Sergio Aguero or Mesut Ozil or you know insert your most your favorite you know beautiful soccer player here kicks that perfect goal that looks amazing. But there's also just something great about when that player who you don't expect or does or even just tries to do something that just boggles the mind.
1: (laughs) It was, I mean, Balboa's bicycle kick attempt, too, was, it was so beautifully aspirational. That was, I think, Jürgen Klinsmann's last World Cup playing for Germany, and he was putting in all sorts of amazing goals, and you saw it all, all over these teams. And when Balboa does that, you were like, oh, right, well, Americans, maybe we... We could be at that level, and, and uh, it was really cool to see. But yeah, if you flash forward to the 2006 World Cup with the Zidane headbutt, um, you'll 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 sense a theme here. Like all my moments of magic revolve around the U.S. men's national team. But um, I don't think I could have uh, felt more emotion than I did after Daniel De Rossi put that red card challenge on Brian McBride. Absolutely. And. I was so red hot after that and at the same time, so, um, I mean, it's corny to say, but I was just so proud of Brian McBride who is, I'm a diehard Fulham fan. Uh, thanks to Brian McBride, his sort of stoicism during that. He just sort of stood there like the mountain that he was with the bloody nose and made no attempt to retaliate on DeRossi. But I just, I, I, all I could see was, was, uh, injustice, and I think I really reached, um, that's when I really reached like worldwide class soccer fandom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, like I had that angry moment in a world cup, uh, with the, uh, the kick to the chest, uh, that, uh, I think oh, all Nigel of the young. Yeah. Yeah. Nigel, De Jong oh, it, it it the young, just straight kicking.
1: So got, got the boot, didn't he? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and, and I, I can't think of that many moments that, that in that way touched on anger so much to the point that um, uh, Nigel DeYoung was signed briefly by LA Galaxy uh, <laughs> earlier this season. And it dropped my regard for Bruce Arena so qu- so deeply that yeah. oh, how could you look past that, you know, repeated, you know, what he did to Stu Holden breaking his leg and, and on a tear of, of wrecking people, but um, well,
1: that, uh, you could look at DeYoung at the galaxy and also uh, arena signing Ashley Cole as another black mark on his um, on his team transfer record.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so you got hooked by these kind of you know U.S. men's national team moments at the World Cup. Uh, And then uh, at at what point did you start following the Premier League, which I know is is really what you are watching a lot of these days?
1: Yeah, the Premier League is basically the Bible I live by at this point. And it was, uh, you know, everyone, every soccer fan is, is aware that Europe is where the most elite football is played. And... When I was in college, I remember being in my apartment, and you know, you, one has a lot of idle time when they're going to school. And every once a week on this basic cable channel, Fox called Fox Sports World at the time, <laughs> which I think uh, turned into like Fox Soccer and then Fox Sports One or some such thing. There was a show called the uh, EPL EPL Review Show, hosted by Lionel Bienvenue. Now, if you want to go back and and look up a clip of Lionel Bienvenue hosting the EPL review show, um, I think you'll hear a little bit of what has influenced the Always Cheating podcast. Like it's it's um, it, it is best to to all take all of this stuff with a grain of salt, or or else you'll just be basically watching DeRossi headbutting Brian <laughs> McBride for the rest of your life. But um the review show basically condensed every uh, all ten matches from that game week down into about um, five minutes. So it wasn't just straight up highlights, but they would show you all of the buildup and all of the moments of magic effectively. So it was an hour straight of just tens and tens of moments of magic and, uh, that is when i got hooked on the premier league i was like well at this in this league like every guy who touches the ball is doing something amazing now uh you know many years later am, am i only getting to appreciate the um liverpool versus manchester united matches that have none of the who lionel Bienvenue would probably not have too much fun watching those matches but uh, that's when i really got my taste for it and yeah and yeah the uh the fantasy game which is What's behind um, the podcast that I host with my good friend Josh is um, that's that was when I decided to really become a guy who could actually. Well, let me ask you this, uh, guy. Had are do you know any base like hardcore baseball fans?
0: Yes, I have definitely been stuck at a Passover Seder with them. <laughs>
1: I feel like baseball fans are they're also like jazz music collectors. Like you're always they're always the sort that could tell you, you know, like every every player in the league and what their stats are and what they were doing five, ten seasons ago, and, and, and all the pedigree and all that. And I I kinda got sick of being a casual Premier League fan and I decided that the fan playing the fantasy game was the only way to um, really educate myself because it forces you to engage with all these stats just so you can have a good fantasy season. And I've been doing it for about seven years now, and uh, I have to tell you now my moments of magic are less um, beautiful Sergio Aguero hat tricks and more Sam Vokes scoring a meaningless penalty kick against Southampton just to um, wipe my head-to-head opponent's clean sheet away.
0: Yeah, I think that um, one of the great things about fantasy is, you know, you mentioned Brian McBride, and and one of the things that I really enjoy are, you know, the the journeymen that really fill out every league, right, is there's always going to be, you know, Messi and Suarez and Ronaldo, but, you know, the rest of the league is filled with all these other interesting characters, and, and, um, you know, they're, they're almost more interesting to delve into, you know, in terms of how they're... How they're not just perfect across the board. Um, yeah. And, you know, w- would I, you know, be able to have a deep emotional response to Scott Dan as a center back for Crystal <laughs> Palace without? No, but, you know, it allowed me to, to yeah, get that way into, into watching it. Um, I kind of feel like uh, you know one of the one of the commentators I take a cue from is is Ray Hudson who who calls <laughs> calls La Liga. Oh, he's the
1: Barcelona play-by-play, right?
0: Yeah, and also um, the Argentine national team because they're both carried by uh, be in sports. And you know, mm-hmm. he, he for those who don't know him, first off, go and YouTube him now because he says the most ridiculous and insane things at the. Oh, top of his c- line.
1: C- catch his buzzword is magisterial. Isn't it? <clears throat>
0: Yeah, and I feel like part of the reason, I mean, I love it. I love the, you know, the 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 real ringing of every emotion out of every moment, but I also feel it's because, you know, he has to find a way to make every messy goal seem like the greatest moment when, you know, it's it's it gets to be difficult because they bang them in whereas, yeah, to your <laughs> point, seeing Alvaro Negredo, you know, suddenly, you know, flash yeah. his way through defenders and go, "Oh, wow." I didn't know. I didn't know Negredo had that in him. Yeah,
1: I saw uh, Ray Hudson being interviewed at um, the Men and Blazers BlazerCon last November, and they asked him about his his like endless stream of poetic phrases to describe goals. And and Ray Hudson claimed none of it was scripted, and that's why he kind of sounds like a maniac sometimes is because he's just freestyling out there, which is so impressive. I remember. Um, one messy goal he described messi as like a clown's pocket he keeps pulling tricks out of it or something like this and i I just thought it was hilarious and marvelous at the same time.
0: Yeah, his, uh, his commentary partner, whose name I'm, I'm blanking on right now, and I will, of course, edit the name in later to make myself sound more intelligent. Oh, uh, oh
1: please, n- nobody on planet Earth knows the name of Ray Hudson's co-commentator.
0: They should because, you know, he, he, he has, the I think, the toughest job in commentary, which is to be the straight man to Ray Hudson. Quick editorial note, the straight man to Ray Hudson's color commentary is Phil Shone. But yeah. uh I don't know if you were watching uh the Manchester derby in the in the uh meaningless EFL Cup this week. I I did I missed
1: I missed it. I was at work at the time, which doesn't often stop me from watching <laughs> matches, but uh yeah, I didn't see any of it. How was it? It
0: was um it was It was stretches of interesting versus, you know, other moments that were more Liverpool, Manchester United. I mean, it it was really dire in the first half. And then uh, I think think Jose Mourinho put the fear of God into his team and they came out completely different in the second half. But there was a moment where um, I forget who gets struck. Uh, very, very low in the belly and like possibly right above the groin and okay. Ray Hudson's straight man commentating partner said uh, that hit him right in the bread basket or maybe closer to the dinner plate uh, <laughs> and I I was Mark. just so charmed <laughs> but um,
1: the lengths people will go to to not actually just say certain things yeah. uh, I Do I, I, that makes me just love the human race
0: yeah So looking at, uh, you know, I I like to joke at the top of the podcast that this isn't a podcast where we, you know, break down passing completion numbers and look at expected goal charts and, you know, all the stuff that that uh, analytics soccer is really excited about. Do you feel like sometimes the, the fantasy lens gets in the way of of enjoying the magic of it all? I mean
1: absolutely 110% it does but on the other side of the coin there are there are matches where you would be listen we're all we're all soccer fans and we could tune into any match we wouldn't even know the league or the two teams or any of the players playing um I mean I I did everything I could to catch um like Paralympic soccer during the summer um, both because like it's a completely harrowing and passionate thing to watch, but um, it wasn't because I knew all the players that were playing. Yeah. Um, that said, um, sometimes it does add add that uh, certain spice of life to have, like the, like I mentioned before, Sam Vokes, uh, a really lumbering. Um, Welsh striker who plays for Burnley on your fantasy team, having him in your fantasy squad means every Burnley match that you watch is going to be that much more um, exciting and have that added level of drama. Um, I think if you were to ask me, okay, ask me this question five to ten years from now, Brandon, would you like to go back and just remove fantasy entirely from your appreciation of the Premier League? I would say yes, please. Take this, take this heavy burden away from me. It's no fun anymore. Um, but at the moment, uh, it's it's probably more fun than that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would say that uh, I try and let my love of the magic ruin my fantasy rather than the <laughs> other way around. I yeah, mean, see, and there
1: there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, I I I, I don't know if you remember Jeremy Rollinson. He was in our fantasy league for one season and. He was red or dead. He was actually born Merseyside and a hardcore Liverpool fan, and he had the worst fantasy team because he would let his obligations to Liverpool get in the way of, you know, bringing in Eden Hazard into his midfield. Yeah, and I think sometimes, um, I mean, basically because I host a fantasy podcast and certain people will hold my feet to the fire for it. I um, try to be very cold and dispassionate about how my fantasy team functions. I lose sight of the fact of it could actually also be fun to have a not-that-good fantasy team, but populated by players that you just happen to like. you're, You're a big Arsenal fan. This must get in the way of of your fantasy squad sometimes.
0: Yeah, but my my relationship to Arsenal is is, you know, it's more like my relationship to Judaism where, you know, there there's like when I observe Yom Kippur, it's but halfway through breakfast realizing that I'm supposed to be fasting and feeling kind of kind of guilty <laughs> about it. Like I to me, I don't know what I would do if Arsenal actually won a trophy. Um, yeah. you know, getting exasperated at Arsene Wenger for not having enough rotation and not bringing in a new center back and now there's an injury crisis is is part of it for me so I don't feel as beholden to them and on the flip side they're also good enough that if I do wind up bringing in Arsenal assets um, it's you know there are still good picks usually from season to season they do at least have consistency on their side to me where it gets more is I have an allergic reaction to like the top 10 players in the Premier League where yeah. you know the consensus is forming you have to captain Sergio Aguero every week and I will not do it I will not you know on on our uh, uh you know we we you and I both do uh not only the standard fantasy Premier League but uh uh Steven Schaller I'm I'm saying his name right right Yeah, Stephen Schaller. Stephen Schaller has a a draft-based Premier League system called Roto Premier League. So uh, Robert Snodgrass is on that team, and you will not remove him from me. (laughs) He's
1: Uh, locked in. Even though he's injured now, guy, you have to be mindful of that. He's he's done his ankle.
0: See, Roto Premier League, Robert Snodgrass is still starting because damn you all. Um,
1: hey, hey, I respect
0: that. Yeah, but that—that's what I mean about sometimes the the magic of it. You know, I I would prefer to get you know fourth place on the back of of really having believed in um, you know someone like uh, you know our our favorite Mbakani. You know, if I oh, if yeah, I could take
1: Mercy Mbakani,
0: if he could get me to a fourth place finish rather than Zlatan Ibrahimovic taking me to first, I would be happier.
1: Uh, uh, you would also become a become an immediate legend. You'd basically be like a Leicester City player at that point, guys. Yes,
0: that that is really what it is. Is I I am the fantasy version of you know Claudio Ranieri <laughs> saying, "Okay, who's in the third division of English soccer that's going to get points?" Before you know, someone explains to me they have to be playing in the Premier League uh, to to get points. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of my recent moments of magic that I I did on the podcast was I happened to tune in the last game of Le Havre, the second division French team that Bob Bradley was coaching at the time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I listened to that episode too, which was really cool, and I think it was on everybody's mind because of Bob Bradley's promotion to Swansea.
0: Yeah, but to me, there's a goalkeeper out there named Fabien Farnoy who almost scored a goalkeeper header, and like... I'm just waiting for the day that I have captained a goalkeeper who scores a goal, and then I can just say, I've, did, I've done it. I, I've done everything <laughs> I set out to do with Fantasy Premier League. Um, well, I hope you live a, a long life, Guy. Because <laughs> Tim Howard scored one. It's- he did, yeah. Our, our good friend Preeti Chiver,
1: who's in our Fantasy League, had Tim Howard on her squad. At that, I believe he scored it against Bolton on a wet, windy day. Yes. So basically, I think you need to play the weather forecast in this situation, Guy.
0: Yeah, my, my usual strategy is to play, you know, whoever is just terrible. Whoever is just having a, a terrible time, which uh, w- one of my gr- one of the few moments of magic I've had from a fantasy perspective, like the moment where the Guy Edwab school of, of rogue uh, deployments uh, pulled uh-huh. together was my captaining of Tim Cruel on Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I knew, I knew, I knew a bad opponent when I saw it, and everything else has been not so, so well.
1: I've, I was actually talking about uh, this with my always cheating co-host, Josh, who you know guy, and uh, talking about like that, that moment of magic with fantasy, it it kind of never comes in a sense, so if you, say you have a goal scorer on your team, and Like, right out of the. Say you have Pedro in your team for that Manchester United match, and he scores a goal within 30 seconds. You wouldn't be like, whoa, that was a moment of magic. You would be like, okay, well, that set me up for Pedro to get at least two goals. And if he doesn't score two goals in this match, then it's been a failure. (laughs) I remember uh, last season, Sergio Aguero scored five goals famously against Newcastle, and he was um, subbed off when it looked like he was on form to score six, seven, maybe eight goals. Yeah. Everyone had Aguero, and most of us had Aguero captain for that game. Yet him coming off at like the 65th minute, I think it was, thereabouts, it, all we felt was disappointment with him coming off the field because we were like, no, we want more. Feed us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there is definitely a, a greed that, that comes with that. I mean, I, I feel that way about consistency, you know, when, when a striker, you know, scores four games in a row and then they go three games quiet and people say, oh, that's a streaky player when, you know, I there isn't a striker. I mean, Jamie Vardy set the record for goals scored in consecutive games and, you know, it was yeah. certainly less than half of a season. But, you know, the moment a player isn't isn't scoring goals, is, ah, gotta got to get rid of him, got to move him, got to get on what else is hot. <laughs>
1: There was this really good discussion going on on Twitter um, by one of the co-hosts of the Stats Bomb podcast. I forget his first name; it's something Knutsen. Anyway, he was—he's an Arsenal fan, and he was railing against the commentators that uh, it was a two match two match weeks ago. Walcott had a chance in front of goal uh, that came off his head, and he—he he just missed the opportunity. He was maybe ten feet out. And the commentators said, you, you've just got to score those. There's no excuse. So the stats bomb guys said it's irresponsible for the commentators to say you have to put those away. And, and they went on to then examine the actual percentages and, and, and uh, probabilities of goal scorers scoring where they are in the box. And even if you're that close, like 10 feet away, scoring from your head, there is less than a 25% chance of that happening. Which I guess to the point of your podcast guy, that's what makes moments of magic that much more cool, and that's what that's just what is what makes football cool is yeah. goals are so freaking hard to score, um, which takes me also takes me back to my friend Marcelo Balboa. When those goals go in, it's it, it. You just can't deny it's euphoria. It's amazing. I love it. I want to watch soccer all the time for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, you know one one of the things that the you know highlight condensed match, you know, match of the day whip around, I think does a disservice to which if you're a fan of uh, of the TV show Sports Night, um, is yes. of the moment. There's there's a moment where uh, Joshua Molina's character. Uh, has been asked to make a three minute segment on the you know what happened in the baseball game and he puts in like two minutes of the pitcher winding up for the throw <laughs> and they're like, this this has to go out. And he says, no, this is the beginning of the chess match. you know the, the anticipation, you know and, yeah. and not knowing whether something could happen. that I think is the real disservice that though well he has to score that. You know, yep. mentality comes from is nothing has to happen, as Liverpool versus Manchester United proves, nothing could happen, and could continue to happen for ninety minutes. Yep. Um, I don't know. So one of the other areas where I think you and I are both finding magic is I, I believe we're both season ticket holders at uh, NYCFC.
1: Yeah, that is correct. I don't have my playoff tickets. Um, I'm, I, I'm actually like. Now that I know they're playing Toronto, I I, I know it's going to be a crazy game. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty pretty sure I'm going to get tickets now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just uh um to me in the most in the last game that I went and saw which was the, you know, decision day game uh, against Columbus. I was there too, guy. Yeah, so you know that feeling when it was 1-1 for so long and then yeah. all of a sudden the court came off and they were scoring goals and it's it's you know, it yeah, it's it's it's. The antis- I don't know
1: how they are in uh, the section where you sit, but for me, it's it's fairly transitory in my section two thirty three B. We're we're almost adjacent to the supporters section, but still, I I haven't sat next to the same person more than once the entire season. Uh, but that so that's a testament to. Uh, how positive the atmosphere was! Like you say, when the cork came out, um, when that David Villa goal went in to make it, was it uh, three one at that point? Four yeah. one? Uh, you know, every all all the strangers started high high fiving each other and congratulating each other. I mean, if you if you have um, if you have like Bradford City tickets, season tickets, you're probably laughing at me right now. About <laughs> how how boring it sounds to go to an NYCFC game, but uh, it was fun to just share that moment with everybody in the stands.
0: Yeah, I, one of my favorite moments I've shared with another fan was during the uh, the 2014 World Cup. Um, I I had gone with a friend to a bar to watch the USA game versus. Um, uh, I can't remember who, who was it that uh, Jermaine Jones scored that screaming goal from 30. 30- Portugal. Yes. So I, we had, we were at a bar for a while. It was really crowded. It was tough to see, and then we were also starting to get super hungry. So we uh and and i think the game was feeling really dire at that point so we basically just started wandering around the village to see if we could find food and we wound up in a brazilian restaurant that uh was pretty small and they were also showing the game so we sat down to have food and so it was like one of those you know skinny two-person new york tables and you know like four inches away is another one of those skinny tables and Jermaine jones just like fire like rifled that shot and it was so explosive and it was also that sudden burst of energy I jumped up I pumped two fists in the air and then I turned and this like six foot tall guy who's standing next to me and we both clasped arms and pulled each other like (laughs) really close so we were eye to eye and we both shouted into each other's eyes never seen that human being again but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is really amazing to kind of share that energy live, which, you know, starting watching soccer on television in the U.S., it, it takes a while to, to catch up to that. Yeah.
1: Now, well, speaking of catching up, um, my wife, who is sports averse, uh, all she knows of sports is basically me just yelling foul, despicable language at the television when she tries to cross cross through the living room. Um she decided to go to the bar with me to watch the U.S.-Ghana game in 2010 when they went out on penalty kicks. Yeah. No, it wasn't penalty kicks. They went out in extra time.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: that's right. Uh, but when Landon Donovan, he scored our only goal that game off of a penalty kick, and the bar we were at was just, like, packed. It was a sardine uh, canister. And it just lit up when Donovan's goal went in. And I turned to find Lilo, my wife, and she just had tears in her eyes. Not because she really cared about the game, but she was so overwhelmed by that sudden um, explosion of euphoria, she couldn't help it. It was, it was just sort of like through osmosis yeah. she cared. And I, I thought that was pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, it's so funny how, how the sport allows people to start putting their, you know, emotions and, and things into it. I I have gotten my, my parents into soccer. They're also somewhat sports-averse people. I started with just Champions League games, like replays of Champions League games that I knew interesting things had happened in, so I could kind of <laughs> yeah. avoid the Liverpool versus Manchester United. So, sure. you know, she, she was familiar with Messi, and she had a soft spot for Neymar, uh, and she... Uh, really didn't like Luis Suarez, who she refers to in Hebrew as Hanash Khan, which means the biter. Um, but she's, she's come around to the Why fact is it that, that your
1: fantasy team
0: name guy, <laughs> well, because as you know, from Twitter, if I haven't come up with a premier league pun, there's it, the whole season is wasted. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, But at any rate, uh, so now that I've been a fan of NYCFC and and they live in San Jose, so a couple times when I've been out there, uh, I've gone with them to Avaya Stadium, which is a fantastic stadium and has a great atmosphere to see NYCFC when they're in town and when they've been here, I've taken them. And all of a sudden, my mother, you know, again, doesn't follow that much soccer, you know, has really started to get into it through me. Her favorite player is Tommy McNamara. (laughs) <laughs> you know, she, she, without knowing that much about soccer, knew about David Villa, knew about Pirlo, but very quickly watching the team, and she, every time we watch a game, she turns to me and she says, he's always working, he's always <laughs> trying his hardest, he's involved with everything.
1: Um, he, he is the, he's like the modern day Frankie Haydick, but it's true, he's, he, he looks like a guy who, he would clean your garage for you, he'd help, you know, if, if your mom needed it, he'd mow the lawn, and he'd... He'd happily eat the cookies that she made for him. He'd just be pleasant company.
0: Yeah, and uh, I actually I stopped by uh, an NYCFC tra- open training that there was a couple weeks ago. And when he, he came over and he signed my shirt, and I told him, you're my mother's favorite soccer player in the world. And uh, I don't <laughs> think either of us knew what to do in that moment. <laughs>
1: yeah, he didn't quite know how to take that, did he? <laughs> yeah,
0: he, he said thank her for the support, which I thought was the classiest way that you can respond to that
1: that's that's love just secretary. Tommy Mack. He's a classy guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, only really
1: came around to Jack Harrison um, toward the end of the season too. Speaking of guys that work hard, but uh,
0: yeah, it's it's just been tough because I, I think you you know that we're all just looking for a way to replace the uh, the love in our heart for Kwadwo Poku, who is now flying oh yes. his trade in Miami.
1: Yeah, yeah, Miami. Count your blessings with all the Poku moment, moments of Poku you have. Yeah, we we miss you, Poku, if you're listening.
0: Yeah, that that is definitely a fun. Yeah, I feel something that I I am prone to do is really adopt a player, and uh, you know, I, I, my mother also does this as well. Her the players she's adopted one is is Tommy McNamara, and the other is James Milner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she loves the hardworking guy. Yeah, I, she
0: I think she she really like. She has no truck with people who don't put in a shift. For her, like the entire thing at Chelsea, both Jose Mourinho and the players, like her take was like, "Don't they pay these people money? Like, what are yeah. they doing? <laughs> Shouldn't <laughs> they go out there and just play soccer?" Which can I? Can you argue? I mean, can I, you argue? I yet?
1: can't. I can't think of a counter argument. I really can't.
0: Great. Well, Brandon, it's been a real pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity at some point in the future to uh, to connect again and I'm sure we'll, so. we'll have many more moments of magic and uh, I'm sure one day Josh will also come and share but right now his moment of magic is uh, bringing a new child into the world so. it's
1: true he had a, he had his own big moment there well, now I'm, I am officially going to start a note on my iPhone called Moments of Magic. So the next time you need a guest, I should have a, a few notes in my phone to call upon as to uh, maybe goals that I've seen scored. Yeah. You
0: know. And you can also send them to uh, magicmomentpod at gmail dot com, dear listener. Uh, I have a in my inbox there. I have a bunch of vines that I'm I'm slowly working my way through, both contemporary and historical. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, I don't know. I saw only a clip of uh, Red Bulls two playing against um, whoever they played against in the USL final, but there was an insane goal. <laughs> That yeah, took like I, six I, tries to go in.
1: I, I saw it. It was it was diabolical.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm after. So thank you again, Brandon, for joining. And uh, cool. li- listeners, you can find uh, them at the uh, Always Cheating Podcast. And, yeah, uh, check us
1: out at alwayscheating.com,
0: and you can find
1: us on Twitter at HailCheaters. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, have a pleasant evening.